I can forgive the guy who cut me off. I can forgive the guy who got me mad, you know. But I really had this, I didn't want to forgive. I said, Lord, I wanted revenge. I thought, Lord, I can forgive a lot of things. I can let go of a lot of things, but I don't know if I can ever let go of this. It wasn't like this little offense. It was a life-altering thief. He was of everything I am. He stole everything of who I was. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isberger. Yes, and we are happy to be here with you today. We have an amazing show with, oh my goodness, our guest has an incredible story. A hard one to hear though. Yeah, and I think the reason you're going to really want to listen in is because you're going to be able to relate to what it's like to forgive. Because who has We all need to forgive. Something in our lives where it's really tough to forgive that offender, but you're going to hear about forgiveness in a way you probably haven't heard before. A whole other level <laughs> that will give you a permission to say, oh my goodness, if he can forgive, I can too. Yeah, today on the show, we have um, Pastor Mark Sowersby, and he is a speaker, writer, and a pastor. In 2019, Pastor Mark went through a time of great healing. He began speaking about the nightmare of abuse and years of suffering that he experienced in his childhood and how condemnation and shame and guilt were replaced with forgiveness, joy, and life in abundance. Oh, and boy, it, is it. It shows in his face <laughs> and it's, and you'll hear it in his voice. And so he now speaks about his story and his testimony of healing and forgiveness and freedom. And I mean, he really, he found a breakthrough so he could be free. And he has a ministry uh, called Forgiving the Nightmare. He's been on numerous podcasts. He's written a book. Uh, there are some films that are about him. He's been on podcasts and television programs, including the 700 Club, and we are honored to have Pastor Mark with us. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome, Pastor Mark Sowersby, to your biggest breakthrough. We are honored to have you today. Yeah, man, I, it's good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I hope uh, I hope a number of people will watch this on YouTube because that that smile that's, that's a smiley a face. Smile, dude, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> that's for real. Yeah, I love uh, it. So good to have you here. So good. Well, I, a, a mutual friend uh, introduced us online, and Todd and I were just moved by your story. And you know, you, you've shared your story on so many different podcasts and television shows, including the Seven Hundred Club. But we want to jump right in because um, uh, your story is powerful, and it, I don't know how many people can fully relate to your story. But I want us to go there. Like I want us to really paint the picture. Uh, but before we even go to maybe the, the, um, the main point of the story, let's go to the first years of your story. Like when, when you're and your parents were together and you were young and kind of set the stage with what kind of family you were brought up. in. I always say oftentimes that everybody's story starts with somebody else's story. And my story started with my mom. And my mom was a woman of her generation. She didn't dream of fame or fortune. She just wanted to be the missus. That's what she wanted more than anything else is to, to wear her high school sweetheart's ring for 50 years. And, and unfortunately, that, that story didn't happen for her. She was 
abused. She was neglected. She was lied to and she was rejected. So because of that first relationship falling apart where she had two wonderful children out of, she was looking for love, like they say, in all the wrong places. And my father came into the picture, promised her everything under the sun, but left her with a child and found out that he was married to another. My mom, again, was just more broken, more hurt, more insecure and fearful. And by this time in her life, she was just very scared of being alone. Uh, you know, she thought everybody would leave her. Everybody would hurt her. Everybody rejected her. So she met a man 20 years her younger. And what she called love was truly just dysfunction, just enabling. And her and this man married. And this man came into my life when I was seven years old. And he began to abuse me in every way, shape, and form from seven to 14. So again, my story starts with other people's story. And the ugliness of that story is that's what I knew from seven to 14 years old. Uh, without knowing my father, uh, my birth, my birth father, uh, being wrestling with uh, academic, excuse me, academic challenges such as dyslexia and learning disabilities, uh, just kind of lost in our own pain as a family. This man would come in and begin to abuse my body, He'd begin to rape me, molest me, stab mm. me, beat me, and burn me, and oh. sell me to others for their own sick perversions. And this was my life for seven years. Pastor Mark, did, 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 did you say you had a, I'm sorry, did you say you had a, a sibling as well? Yeah, I, I have, I have two older siblings. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we just lost my brother not too long ago. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they're a bit older than me, so they were able to escape. They, we have different dads, but we never kind of look at it. We're just 100% siblings, uh, but they were able to get out. There's quite a big gap between me and my siblings. So when this, this when the dysfunction started to really brew up, uh, they were able to escape. You know, it was a different time. I'm on the other mm. side of 50. And uh, it was mm. a different generation. It was a different, uh, you know, there wasn't so much awareness or support or advocacy in those days. It was, my mom came from that generation that you kept everything behind closed doors. You didn't talk about it. You didn't let the dirty laundry out, right? So it was almost a noble thing to kind of keep the, the family secrets. But unfortunately, too many people had too many secrets that hurt too many things. So are you saying, did your mother know of the abuse and just turned her head? Yeah, eventually my mom would know, uh, probably somewhere in the midst of the middle or the beginning of the abuse. I went to my mom, but again, she was just so riddled with her own fears and pains. And now that does not negate her responsibility and make it okay. Let me say that clearly. Right. Uh, just because my mom was dealing with her own pain and fear and, and inabilities did not negate, and I'm not saying it's okay, but it helped me understand it later on in life, not at the immediate moment, but as I reflected back on my journey of forgiveness, helped me at least understand and be able to place it in my my own psyche, if you would. So yeah, my mom knew, but she just didn't have the ability. She just didn't have the makeup. She just didn't have the the concept. Now, now it's easy to look back and what do you mean? I'd fight. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd do whatever it takes. That's what a healthy person does. But when you're broken and unhealthy and fearful, you just kind of been going through the motions. What yeah. was going through that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year olds mind when you're being abused, if what I understand, almost like on a daily basis in ways that you can't even imagine, you don't know what's normal, what's not normal. How, what, what was going on in that child's mind? Well, you know, I, I think I felt what anybody would feel. I was scared. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was confused. I was questioning my own existence. Didn't know my dad. Abandonment. But really, probably the easiest word, I was just numb. I just was numb. This was just all I knew. 
Uh, it was just my life. I, I didn't know anything else. It was just, I was bullied at school, thick glasses, chubby kid, special ed, small bus, bullied at school, came home and abused. And again, it was just, I was surviving. I tell a lot of people, I really wasn't raised. I survived my childhood. I learned how to duck. I learned how to hide. I learned not to speak and when to speak. I knew what kind of day it was going to be by the way my abuser inhaled and exhaled. I knew that yeah. much. I understood the when I heard the, the sound of the threshold door, when I knew how he walked into the house, I just knew by, it wasn't words. It was just, it was going to be a bad day. It was always a bad day, but it was going to be a worse day. Wow. I mean, the, the monster in your home, basically it really was yeah. the enemy. Yeah. Did uh, you, did you feel there was any place that you could go to for, for help or hope? Because it, it wasn't there with mom, but no, I, 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 began didn't, to happen? I, I didn't, I didn't feel many, uh, you know, I did not know where to go. I didn't know where to find rescue. I didn't even know how to ask for rescue again. It just, you know, it just becomes so common. Uh, you just go with inside yourself. You build whatever system your little adolescent mind can build to, to protect you. So, you know, you're, like you basically, said survival mode, Yeah, you're in survival yeah. mode. You're in survival mode. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as you, um, go through your, your years between seven and I guess it was about 14 that this, uh, continued on. Um, what, when was like the kind of the turning point, um, and things begin to change. Well, two things happened. I was getting a little larger in statue. I was going into junior high, 14 years old. So something clicked inside me and I said, okay, if you're going to take a pound of flesh from me, I'm going to fight back. And I think that when you fight against bullies and abusers and weakness and, and sorrow and pain, you know, they, they stop fighting. So that was the first thing. But really what happened is I found a family member. Uh, a family member kind of heard my story and just protected me with their their love, their strength, their might, their power. So when somebody believes you, when you're being neglected, when you're being abused, and there's a, somebody that believes you and is willing to protect you, willing to stick up for you. So I think those two events when I was about 14 years old, one that I was getting bigger and I'm going to swing back, I'm going to push off, I'm going to say no. And then again, that one person in my family that would say, you know, I'm going to defend Mark. I'm going to hear his cry. I'm going to, I'm going to look into it. And again, that was a big deal for that era for that time. Yeah. There wasn't cell phones yeah. everywhere. Not everybody wasn't taking pictures, you know, so that was a big, right. That was right. A big time. Well, well, I wonder how often um, people are getting bullied, abused, that kind of thing. And people aren't paying attention to the story or the cues or the signs. And they just think, ah, oh, I just being a kid or whatever, and not really taking it seriously. I wonder what the stats are. I mean, I don't know if you know, but you know, I would just imagine curiosity. That it's probably pretty heavy. I bet it's a, yeah. it's a uh, pretty heavy uh, thought there that a lot of people, especially in the generations prior, uh, again, I would say I'm thankful for the awareness, the support, the advocacy that it, that's a, around now that really we never had before. Uh, in my ministry, Forgiven the Nightmare, I find lots of people that come to me later and say, Pastor Mark, I have the same story you have. Uh, I went through wow. the same thing you had, men and women who both come to me and say, you know, we just kept it quiet. No one said, that was grandpa's thing. You, know, you knew not to go near him. You knew not to go over there. You knew to stay away. You knew not to go to that house. And so, you know, you hear those ugly stories that the generations uh, probably even today deal with. But today, again, at least there's awareness and support and people looking for signs. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank God for that family member yeah. who became your hero. Truly did. Uh, and it just, it just got a pause for a moment, Pastor Mark, because um, there, there may be times where God is tapping us on the shoulder to be the hero for someone else in a bad situation. And uh, I'm sure that you drew very close to him, but tell us a little bit more about the details of what, what he was doing for you. And then wh- how did life progress at that well, age? Going, You know, like any hero, they come and protect you and, and belief. They believed me. And I think there's so much power in that, you know, and, and when somebody believes and risks their, their abilities, risk who they are, you know, they're, they had to come to the family. They had to say no more. They had to say stop. They had to expose it. I was powerless to expose it. You know, I was just a child, really. And well, I had no power. I had no father. I had no money. I had nothing but this one in our family who did have those those attributes. They did have influence. They did have power. They exposed this ugly thing. So therefore, that helped bring it into the light. And we know when we bring things into the light, you know, the, the, the darkness leaves. So not only did That's they right. protect me and say, now you're going to stay with me for a while. I moved in. I asked, you know, they, they cut the pie in an extra, extra slice for me. They, I became a part of their family. They embraced me with their time, their money, their talent, their, mm-hmm. everything. They just said, okay, and no more. And whatever spilt out from that, whatever uh, family arguments, whatever things had to happen on a school level, whatever had to happen, they just said, I, I'm, I'm defending and I'm coming beside. So, you know, it was That's just awesome. love, really. It was love. That's yeah. what it was. Love. love. Yeah. Love conquers That's all right. and, and can take away, uh, that, that, that fear that, uh, yeah, it can just take away everything, but they, they were ch- church, uh, going, uh, family, correct? Well, no, I actually did not grow up. I grew oh, up in a blue. Oh, they, they were No, no, they were blue, blue collar, blue people who, you know, okay. we, we had a religion, right? Be good. God, you know, that, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, the golden rule yeah, that was it. So, yeah, we had you know, we were good New Englanders, we say wicked awesome and cod, Ahmed, and daughter, and you know, we're all Red Sox fans, you know, that's so you know, blue collar people, but you know, they they really defended me and loved me, and and then and then at 16 years old, I found myself uh back at my mom's house because dysfunction is just ugly and always has its it's thorns in us and trying to pull us back and confusing. Mm-hmm. But I found myself there, but there I found myself going to a church and becoming a Christian that summer, 15, 16 years old. Well, how in the world did you get to a church? Just yeah, with all uh, that dysfunction. Right. Who invited you? What, what happened? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know how sanctimonious this or how sanctified that's the word I'm looking for. I don't know how sanctified this story is. I was about a 15 year old boy. We lived in an apartment complex and I, there was a swimming pool, and I always wanted to be at the swimming pool because I didn't want to be home. And the seventeen-year-old life lifeguard, she invited me to church, and I would have went That's anywhere awesome. she invited me. I would have went in. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's that's, the, that's honest. That's, I love that's that. That's cool. So, so you go you go to church with this uh, the, your pool that's buddy. That's right. Uh-huh. I went to church and, and her then, and her so boyfriend picked me up that night. So you know, oh. uh, and you're like, oh, <laughs> drag. <laughs> you know, it was the eighties. But good we all for had her. Mullets. It was the law. You know, oh, we all had jean jackets with our patches on it. We wore our boots a certain way. And I walked into this church and I just found a peer group. I found a place. Uh, they truly became my sanctuary. Oh, they told me to throw away all my rock albums and cut my hair. And, you know, they told me, but, you know, I heard a lot of junk before, but, you know, they really, truly, they, they weren't perfect. 
Uh, it wasn't, you know, I didn't enter heaven. I entered people and I, I found a community that, uh, that, that just came, came beside me and just started to show me the love of God. And that's what that's, then I asked Christ to be my savior. That's beautiful. And I love that you say you, you didn't enter heaven, you entered community, because sometimes we believe uh, there's that false sense of whatever when we go into a church that everything's going to be perfect and everyone in the church is perfect, and that's just not the way it is. People are people. But uh, you found that safe I, place I tell in people the a lot of times, some of the people I love the most in the world gave me some of the worst advice I've ever had in the world. So, But I still love them, and they still love me. So. Right, so you right. have you have you have Christ in your life, this beginning of a brand new relationship. So where where did it go from there? Because you still had all the remnants, all the echoes of the all emotions. the abuse and the and the and the dysfunction and the hurt and the pain. Sure, along with the things that were going on at school, uh, yeah. learning disabilities. Yeah, by this time stuff. I was about so, seventeen. I was just about eighteen, really getting plugged in. I'm really getting a part of. You know, I find, kind of joined the youth group because it was a safe place. And as I made Christ my and there's cute girls. As as I made Christ my savior, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I remember saying, God, I want the real thing. See, I felt like I was always on edge. I'm always protecting. I'm always waiting for the other foot to drop. That's a part of dysfunction. That's a part of being wounded. You're always, things can't go good for too long. You're always waiting for the bad news, for somebody to reject you, for hate to come back. So I'm always waiting for the poor thing. So when I started, when I started on this journey, I said, God, I want to know you. I don't want to just know the name on the door or the doctrine of the pastor. Or, you know, I, I learned those things since. But Lord, I want to know you. So my journey started by saying, God, if you're real, if your word is true, if if you're so good, you know, bring me on this journey that I'll know who God really is and who his son Jesus Christ is. I don't want a religion. I don't want something that's going to just manipulate me even more than I've already been manipulated. And believe me, I had my guard up. My walls were big. So the journey started with me seeking God. Hmm. I think that's a, a testimony to God's incredible grace. <laughs> he just dumped a bunch of grace in you to give you that desire that to hunger. be authentic yeah. in your relationship with Jesus. Because in, a, in the crazy instant now society, we want everything like right now. So you didn't come into the relationship saying, okay, I went through all that. Snap your fingers and make it all better now. You were willing to take the journey. So walk us through some of the aspects of the journey that you Well, let me just go back and say there was a lot of days I wanted it now. (laughs) You know, I'm not that Uh, good. There was a lot of days where where (laughs) I I definitely wanted it now. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. who doesn't? There was was two steps forward and one step back oftentimes. And, you know, I tell people I was the one that he left in 99 for more than once. So, you know, I don't walk on water, (laughs) you know, and I ask God all those hard questions. If you are really a good God, then why? And if you love people, then why did I get molested every day? And why do I live with the Mm. scars of of this abuse? Why did my abuser steal my dignity, my value, my ability? Why, God, if you really... And what did he say to you? Well, I tell people this. When you ask why. If if you ask God hard questions, he's going to give you a good answer, right? He's going to give you... And when you're ready to receive that, the answer God gave me was the perfect answer for me. It may not be the same answer. But I know that when God answers those questions, they're so good. God told me, and he said, Mark, I called you from the mother, your mother's womb to be my voice, to be my witness. And the enemy has tried to sift you, destroy you, and steal you from the moment you were born. And But I've always been with you. 
And that was a hard answer because I said, really? Well, they didn't feel like you were with me. But through growth and experience and grace and love and wanting to give up and, and one foot in and one foot out and all those expressions, the Lord would show in his faithfulness, would show that he's never left me nor forsaken me. So, yeah, I got the right answer and the most perfect answer for me. And the fact that's beautiful. And the fact that you received that answer and you were willing to uh, allow him to take you by the hand and walk you through on this journey. And so um, here you are, you find yourself, you know, asking the hard questions, getting the the answer that he gave you and saying, all right, then this is, this is my, my this is the journey. Let's do this. And so you find yourself at church. You're going to church more. I, I want to talk, I'm going to kind of go back to, um, because I, I know the story, but I want to go back to when you, your Sunday school teacher or something wanted you to uh, read uh, from. Yeah. Cause this all gets really sure, good and interesting yeah, sure. here. You know, <laughs> I, I often say, if you've gone to church long enough, we all know a person in the church that, you know, can kind of chase us down the hall, put us in the corner. They're always having us volunteer for something, you know, we see him coming and we're like, go, yeah. go, get in the car, get in the car. You, know, you see him running after you, brother or sister, you know, every church has a- You know, you're thinking the name of that person right now. I know well, I am. That kind yeah. of person came up to me and they said, Mark, uh, uh, I was in my early twenties. I was you know, wrestling with academia and, and reading. And they came to me and they said, Mark, will you read the Luke story for Christmas? You know, the, the, the gospel of Luke, the Christmas story. And I didn't want to, I, you know, I, the dog ate my homework. I broke my glasses, you know, I, but, uh, you know, they just wouldn't take no for an answer. So I got up and I read the story and I read it broken up, confused, backwards, messed up. But the church was kind to me. And she came to me later and she said, Mark, I homeschooled all my children. If you'd like, I can help you. Well, I thought I was a grown up. You know, I was 20. I had all the answers then. But I went over because I know I needed the help. And as I went over, I sat at her table and there was me and her six-year-old learning phonics together. And I tell people that when I learned wow. T-I-O-N meant shun instead of T-on, it changed my life forever. But unbeknownst to me, she T-on. had an older daughter. And the older daughter would try to give me all the respect in the world. She didn't take the dog for the walk to give us privacy. I didn't know it then, but she'd be praying in her room for me to help me read. Well, mm. today, that older daughter that she had is my wife. And we have four kids oh, together. I love so that awesome. story. Well, you know, I tell you, so, God took my weakest together. moment, right? I, where we are weak, yeah. he is strong. So I'm so weak mm-hmm. in my academia and so insecure and fearful of it. In that moment, that weakest moment of insecurity is where I, he brought the greatest gift. My partner, my friend, uh, and my wife, who who we just, you know, what more can I say? You know, I'm going to smile even bigger. Yeah. Because uh, I can't believe a beautiful girl like that loves me. I got her on a bad day. She must, you know. <laughs> so, I, no, again, that's just, beautiful. Oh, that is so, what's a great story. It just yeah. points back to the love of God. And you yeah. you didn't know, um, you couldn't experience the love of God during those early years of all that abuse. And even after you met Christ, you had questions like, why God did you allow this? But I'm guessing that over a period of time, as God continued to show you how much he loved you, by bringing you things like sure. your wife and other opportunities that it started to really take. You know, it, it was. So tell us. I, I ended up going to Bible college and had to struggle and wrestle through that. You know, I, I, I tell people it was the best six years of my life. You know, it was, a, you know, I had to really work three times as hard to get just a, a B or a C. And, 
Uh, but I learned a lot there. But I still had this, this, this unwillingness really to forgive my abuser. Oh, I can forgive the guy who cut me off. I can forgive the guy who got me mad. You know, uh, but I really had this. I didn't want to forgive. I said, Lord, I, I, I wanted revenge. I wanted to. I wanted my piece of flesh. I thought, Lord, I can forgive a lot of things. I, I can let go of a lot of things, but I don't know if I can ever let go of this. I don't know if I can ever uh, say, you know, th- it's too big. It wasn't like this little offense. It was a life-altering thief. He was of everything I am. He stole everything of who I was. Uh, so, but the Lord was faithful and gentle, and he would bring me on this journey and he would say, you know, he'd say, we've all heard the, the scripture. If you have enough faith, you can move a mountain. The faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Seed. And, and I thought, Lord, I don't really know what that means. And the Lord kind of spoke to my heart, not audibly, but in my prayer closet. He said, Mark, can you move a pebble? I said, I got faith to move a pebble. And that pebble would become a boulder, a stone, a rock, a mound, a hill. And it would grow precept by precept, step by step. And it it would grow through journeys of life, having children, getting married, getting my degree, pastoring churches, doing missions, failures and victories, a lot and little. And eventually as, as I would grow, God would keep becking me and say, okay, let's go move the mountain. Let's go move the mountain. I knew the mountain was to forgive my mom and to forgive my abuser. And those days I said, I can't, I can't, God, don't ask me, don't ask me. But God kept asking me. And eventually the Lord said to me, how'd you move the pebble? How'd you move the stone, the boulder, the hill, the rock? How did you have any victory in your life? How have you had any? I said, Lord, it's all in you. Everything I have is in you and through you and by you. And the Lord would say, now I'm going to be with you when you move this mountain. And only through Christ and not by anything Mark has. I didn't figure it out psychologically. I didn't become a enlightened person. I didn't become stronger. I died to Christ. And in Christ is where I learned to forgive those who trespassed against me. Mm. Wow. Wow. Those words are filled with truth and they're very penetrating because you know right now that uh, there are people listening and watching this interview just are kind of shaking their head like, like that, but it was so unfair. How could God ask you yeah. to forgive somebody like that? That monster should be taken out. Uh, can, can you just talk to them for a moment? Because some people feel like there are unforgivable sins. And I think, Pastor Mark, oftentimes it's tied to our feelings versus our faith. Could you sure. expand on that you, a little bit? You know, I kind of tell a story like this. When I was a kid, I used to come home and watch Channel 2, PBS. It was Channel 2 and our, and Bob Ross was on. Now, I'm really giving my age now, right? Bob Ross. Painting, you know, the big yes. Afro yes. artist. And I used oh, to watch yeah, it every day. Great. And Bob Ross, you know, just memorized me with this painting that he'd paint in a half hour. You know, it's all done. But at the end of most, every painting he painted, he'd put a tree in the middle. And what he was doing, he, yeah. he was moving the subject further away from the viewer. By putting that tree in the middle, he was taking that original house, boulder, rock, uh, and pushing it back by putting something in front of it. And I had to learn that when I put the cross in front of my problems, it doesn't take my problems so away, good. but it gives me a different perspective. See, I didn't have the power to do it. I, I didn't want to do it. I wanted my revenge. I asked, uh, you know, I'm not, a, you know, I'm saved. I'm, I'm delivered. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Uh, but by God helping me to put a, a different, look to him 
Therefore, you can look through him and by him. So as I look through the spirit, as I look through the word, as I look through the word of God, and again, it didn't happen the first day. This is years, years deep into the journey uh, that, you know, of up and downs and lefts and rights. You know, but as I started to look first through the perspective of God, I realized I was going to be set free far more than I could ever set free the person who abused me. For my personal story yeah. is the Lord asked me to go to my abuser. By this time, my abuser was riddled by a disease. And the only thing that worked well on his body was his mouth. He lost all his faculties. And he was living in an assistant, living and nursing home. And the Lord said to me, go and tell him you forgave him. Now, this is not everybody's story. This is mine. And I remember that I, I didn't want to go. I said, God, how can you ask me to go? And and by God's gentle tugging and pulling and God being God, he gets his way. And I remember opening that door to that, that hospital room, that, that rehab room he was in, and the familiar voice of the abuser that would just say to me, Marky. And it would bring me right back to being that 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 7-year-old kid again, and the fear that came over me. And everything that God had done throughout that time finally bubbled up. And I said to that person, I forgave you because Christ has forgiven me. And I realized in a sense, I wasn't just speaking to my abuser. I was really talking to fear. I was saying, fear, you don't own me. I have children. I have a wife. My identity is no longer child abuse. You know, it's true. I went through all those things, but that's not who I am. I'm a child of God. And and I'm I'm delivered and I'm set free. I kind of feel like like you know when Jacob got his name, you know he, when Jacob became Israel, you know one name and then a new name, and that's kind of how I felt at that moment when I lost the name abused and I became I got a new name Victory in Christ. Mm, that is so wow, beautiful. Oh my goodness. So. Yeah, I was just going to say, but yeah, forgiving the nightmare is one thing, but you forgave the perpetrator and that, that is the, the nightmare, nightmare but also nightmare. that's, that's, that's part that's of it. Right. Nightmare. And so I just think about, you know, what we don't repair gets repeated yeah. kind of a thing. And so that, that constant nagging of not forgiving was going to continue on until you repaired, if you will, that, that, that opportunity for, for God to express that personally with the perpetrator. And I just think, well, you know, wow, I had to really learn what forgiveness was, you know, because I would kind of forgive and forget, yeah. forgive and let go, let bygones be bygones, you know, Hey, let's have Christmas morning together. And I thought, Lord, I can never forgive like that. So I had to learn that, you know, right. forgiveness isn't saying it's okay. Forgiveness is, still, yes, you right. can still seek justice and say, I forgive. You can still say what you did was horribly wrong, evil and deserves punishment. But yet I can still forgive it because Christ forgave me. I had to learn that forgiveness is not a one-time event. You know, forgiveness, I can forgive. Sometimes you have to forgive, you know, his mercies are made new every day, right? So, you know, I had to learn to say I could have my boundaries. You know, I didn't have to have Thanksgiving. Yeah. I didn't have to go over on Christmas morning. I could have boundaries. And all those things, you can have those things and still have a confession of forgiveness. So when I started to learn what forgiveness is, it helped me say, you know what? I'm not justifying. I'm not agreeing. I'm not supporting this abuser's action. They're evil. They're wrong. And I could seek justice, but I could still forgive because I was still trapped. See the, the abuser, even though he didn't abuse my body after I was 14 years old, he still had his voice inside my mind. 
he still has his tentacles, if you would, of hatred and 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 disgust of my own self was in my soul. And I knew I had to break that because I got four kids that don't need that. I got a wife who I don't need that. So, you know, by God's grace, it was the only place I could sever, sever that and have God become bigger. You know, that's what happened. God had to become bigger than the abuse. And the abuse is huge and it's mm. ugly and it's a pound of flesh. I, I, I stole the pound of flesh and I, I don't want to minimize that at all. What people have walked through, there's tragedies. But I'll tell you, for me, God had to become bigger than all of that. And when God did that, he led me to freedom. Mm. I love Beautiful. that, uh, what you said earlier about how you put the cross in front of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you look at uh, because that's where the forgiveness is and that's where the grace is. Um, so I'm just curious, after that was somewhat of a momentous uh, occasion when you walk into, you know, the abuser's room and you, you, you address him personally, you hear his voice and all that flood of emotion and whatnot, but you've got the cross in front of you. What happened when you left the room? Did, did you ever then kind of reach behind you and pick things back up and have to be forgive again? Or were you... Free, yeah, free. I was, what, I was free. Was My at? abuser, you know, I wish I could tell you it was kind of one of those Cinderella stories where he wept and cried and said, I'm sorry. And you know, everything will be okay. He was so possessed, if you would, uh, with the lust, yeah. the anger, maybe other that he was so trapped in that, uh, that, you know, he knew that I wasn't the kid that walked in that room. And I think he was super intimidated by the victory that I had. Uh, the victory that I was walking in. Um, so yeah, I, I, the story doesn't end with him saying, "Hey, everything's good," and we're, you know. But when I left that room, there was a freedom in me simply because I was so emotionally exhausted. You know, I, I you know I felt okay, God, I was obedient. You know, God, this is what obedient looks like. Uh, and you know, and you faced fear right. in the face. That's right. So you know, I felt yeah. like I did what I felt wow. relief. I'm like, God, I did what you told me to do. <laughs> Can I have a couple of days off now? <laughs> Can I be done now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it, it was a it was an act of faith and a step yeah. of obedience, and it took a long time for you to get to that point. But you did. You crossed over that line, and I think that's just an important word for so many who are struggling and they're trapped. They, I, I've heard about you know forgiveness, kind of like the Chinese monkey yeah. trap. Yeah. You know what that is. You know the, the 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 neck of the bottle is small. The there's bait inside the bottle. And the hand you reach gets your stuck hand in, there. in. You grab <laughs> hold. You can't get your hand out. But you knew that, and you came to that point of saying, "God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to trust you." And I think that is an incredible message that needs to be delivered in the hearts of so many who have been so hurt by their form of abusers and just are struggling in knowing how to forgive. Them. You know, I, and I just want to be very clear. This is was a journey. You know, we're kind of talking through it quickly and fast and we're kind of highlighting points. You know, it's kind of like I I had the abuse in my life and I knew the scripture about those who if if you don't forgive those, how can God forgive you? And there's a dash in between that. Right. The reality and the faith. And, And I kind of lived in that dash. Now we're highlighting what God did at the end of the dash to bring that victory into my life. But there was many times I said no as much as I said yes. There was many times I didn't go as many times as I did go. There was many times when I said, don't ask me. Uh, when I would pray, God, take this person out. God, I don't want to deal with them. I don't. So, yeah, we can highlight the, the end of the story where God, you know, brought me to the brought me with a big hug and victory. 
but there was many steps that that was full of sure. agony, full of tears, full of how if you're a good God, how can you want me to do this? You know, now I know, right? Now I know because the victory's mine. But at that moment I didn't have that perspective. All I saw and heard was the familiar wounds and fears that came so common to me. But only when God's spirit, word, and voice got louder, and it happened through money ups and downs. Well, while your book uh, may be difficult to read for some because of the depth of the darkness, but there is so much victory in the end, Forgiving the Nightmare uh, is a book to read. And even Mark Batterson that wrote The Circle Maker gave it uh, a review, which is uh, amazing, New York uh, Times bestselling author. And so I just think if you are someone that is listening, that is struggling with trying to forgive in whatever capacity that might mean, forgiving the nightmare will get you to that place of fully letting go and surrendering to what God's greater good uh, for you uh, in this life is. And so I have to ask, is there, is there going to be like a film, a, a well, movie there, there around your book? Well, there are some things happening now. We have just, uh, this past summer, I was in Florida and we made a short independent film. Uh, and we're putting it into film festivals, hopefully the fall or spring of 2025. So working with a great filmmaker there and he's crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. I don't know any of the thing of that world, but he does. And we're hoping to put a short independent film. I want to be very clear about that and just say, Lord, you have your way with it where you have your way with that. And so, yeah, yeah. that that's in the process. And then I'm in the middle of writing a 21 day devotion. Uh, called Letters to the Weary, and it's going to be a 21-day devotion uh, for mm. fasting and for other uh, spiritual disciplines. So uh, we got that kind of in the works, too. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up for that one. That sounds great. God I, is using I, and, you mightily. And I've got to really encourage uh, people to get over to your website, too, because you've got uh, like about a two-and-a-half-minute sort of promo uh, cover story and then well about done. a 30-minute um which is just a great account of your story. Really, really well done and very inspiring. So yes. I want to encourage our listeners and our, and our, and our YouTube watchers to get over there. And check yes. That out. So we just appreciate you so much for, for taking the time to be with us and to share your story and to offer hope. And I think it'd be great to um, just kind of close this out, if you will. Um, and maybe there's some little message that you want to just tie a bow on this um, interview with. But I think if if we could go Definitely. out in prayer, too, for those that are listening that are really trying to find hope. I mean, you're a pastor. You're used to praying with people for sure. And I love that God would, would you know, have you go down the route of being a pastor and leading other people to his healing and his his grace. Well, one and so, thing it's so I cool. sometimes... So, most of the times when you go through tragedy, you think you're the only one that's gone through what you've walked through. You're the only one that's dealt with the addiction, the death, the disease, the, the abuse, the divorce. And we kind of bury it inside ourselves. We don't want anybody to know. And I just want to say that anybody's listening today, whatever their trauma is, whatever their nightmare is, there have been countless people that have walked the same roads. People that have found Christ as their Savior, have found victory and hope in God's Word, have found structure and discipline, and, and they just want to pass it on. They don't want to be your judge or your jury. They just want to say there's a hope out there for whatever trauma you went through. And oftentimes we say, no, no, no. If they find out, they'll mock me, make fun of me. People will think of me different. But let me tell you, that's just the lie of the enemy. So if your story is like mine 
or if it's like somebody else's, uh, you, you know, if it's somebody else's story, you know, let them know that there's hope and there's people you can reach out to. There's people there that want to come beside you. They don't, don't want to control you. They just want to love you. So I love to pray for you guys and the listeners today. Father God, awesome. I thank Thanks. you so much again for your goodness <laughs> and grace, Lord. And Father, I thank you that there is truly joy and peace in you. But Father, I know as these words go out, Father, they they pluck a cord in many people that have been wounded. Father, that, that brings up anger, frustration, sorrow. So I pray now, Lord, those that have heard this and may be troubled or tri- or just touched by these words, Lord, I pray your grace comes beside them. I pray right now the grace of God will fill their hearts, their minds, their life, Lord. And Father, that you will just let them know, Father, you're not a God of phoniness or fake, but you're a God of love and mercy. So Lord, I pray you come beside those that are seeking you, and may they find hope and forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you. Bless you. You are just a joy. So thank you all for tuning in to your biggest breakthrough. And thank you again, Pastor Mark. Uh, Please share this episode with others. I know it encouraged you uh, like it encouraged us. Catch you next time. Be blessed. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment. And we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.